What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, this is the first time I am coming to you on the Mortcast after a loss in the, well, the first time in uh, one, two, seven games. So uh, we haven't had to do many of these post-game uh, uh post uh, game losses we haven't we haven't really had to explore this aspect of the Denver Nuggets uh in the uh in the playoffs that much the Nuggets had only lost three games and two of those were in the Phoenix series and this is the first loss at home so there is going to be some things to talk about with this one but I kind of want to focus on one first the Denver Nuggets started out poorly uh, got down 10 to 2 uh we had an 11 point deficit at one point in the first quarter that came roaring back due to the second unit led at one point by 15 in the second quarter were reeled back in and then they kept the lead going into the fourth quarter and then in the fourth quarter they basically were a victim of two things uh one the nugget starters were not very good other than Jokic and uh <laughs> and uh the heat just couldn't miss and that that sort of thing is there's something some things like like things like that happen you know you can blame the defense you can blame all that stuff but when you sh you're, when you miss when you make every shot sometimes you just got to give it up to them and in the, the heat played a masterful fourth quarter absolutely masterful um I, I there's not much you can stay other than that because you got to tip your hat to them and say look they played an amazing fourth quarter despite you Nikola Jokic having another monster game uh, and yes, there were some starters who were not great, specifically KCP and uh, Michael Porter Jr., um, the, the two wings. But the Heat won by three in a game where they basically played perfectly. So keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this series. It's really did that game really reminded me of the the, uh, the game four of the the series versus the uh, Suns. It really did. There was an element of unreal shot making. There was an element of we just can't can't mix specifically Max Struess. Uh, we can't miss, uh, and it was an also a combination of the Nuggets kind of believing their own hype and not playing up to their standard, and you know all those things come together, and the better team did not win, but the the team that won won by three in a game that they desperately needed to win because this series would have been over if the Nuggets won that game. So all that in an extremely disappointing kind of game. Uh, it's not fatal. And in fact, you know, even though now uh, the Miami Heat have the home court advantage, the Nuggets have proven they can win on the road and the Nuggets are literally the better team. I don't, I think even, even Heat people would acknowledge this. The Nuggets are, 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 demonstrably the better team and the next game is not till Wednesday so they got time to really come up with a strategy to shore up what they do um, and I think that this is okay I didn't come away from last night's game thinking the Nuggets are doomed I came away thinking it was an anomaly and the Nuggets will win the series 100% um, and Jokic had 41 and, you know, they, they lost and they needed all the 41, but the, really the starters in game two were, were bad. Even Jamal, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a good showing the bench in particularly in the first half was amazing. Uh, and you could tell that the heat were 
gobsmacked by how well the de- the defense specifically played on the second unit in the in the uh, uh, particularly that stretch going from the late first quarter where they reeled the uh, the heat in to the second quarter where they just expanded this lead and were just just relentless and that was a great stretch of basketball right there um so there's a lot of things to take away from this game but there's a lot of things that we can probably over focus on and one of those things is what michael malone unfortunately chose to over focus on in his post-game presser and in the second half i'm going to get to why there's a ton of pressure on him in this in these finals uh, because he is up against a legendary and very very, very good coach. Eric Spolstra is arguably the best coach in the NBA right now. I think Greg Popovich became a worse coach when he lost Tim Duncan. Uh, it's amazing how that happens. There are there are coaches who are just good coaches. And Eric Spolstra, through multiple iterations of the Miami Heat, has proven over and over and over again what a good coach he is and a lot of that has to do with pat riley and the coach and the culture he sets there quote quote heat culture you know all that stuff um a lot of that has to do with him um but a lot of it is and i think majority of it is eric spolster spolster is a guy who is not only a great tactician he is a um he is a coach who will figure it out and not seek credit for it. His players have 100% bought in to what he is doing. This Heat team is substantially less talented from than this Nuggets team. Okay, they're playing guys like uh, uh, Gabe Vincent, and uh, they're playing guys like uh, Haywood Highsmith, and the people who really probably wouldn't be that great on other rosters but a lot of it has to do with what he does and in the nba this is he's more i couldn't say he's more like a college coach because college coaches have an iron grip of control in their in their um uh situations they did just like coach college coaches have it's so much more control over NBA coaches than, than NBA coaches. In the NBA, it's more about managing egos and all this stuff. And if you have a culture buy-in like Spolster does, and like then it's a lot of that has to do with Pat Riley, um, then you get a consistency and a buy-in that you won't get in other, on other rosters. And it's and it's great to see. Um, not every coach is like that. And I'll, I will discuss that contrast within the next. And I'm not going to pile on Michael Malone. I didn't like his post-game presser, and I'll get to that in the second half. But this Nuggets team, um, despite all those disadvantages, should have won this game. And in fact, they were going; they were up by eight going into the fourth quarter and should have maintained that lead. It was a bad stretch by the second unit going into the fourth quarter that basically cost them a game. I would just 100%. It was lost right there. It wasn't the starters at that point. The starters were the ones who got them back into the game and get them within three points by the time the game ended. It was it was the bad stretch by the bench, which, which was so good in the first half. Um, but it was also a masterclass by Eric Spolster. I mean, the, the guy is just an amazing coach um, who doesn't have the benefit of having a Nikola Jokic or a, 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 a superstar 
on the roster. He's got a an extremely great star in Jimmy Butler, uh, who hasn't been tremendous in this series. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think he is um, putting his stamp on the series at all. Jokic very much has so far in this first two games, but not, but not Butler. Butler has struggled to put his stamp on it, even though he had a better game too. Um, what the Nuggets really kind of let slip in the four. I mean, it wasn't, people are crediting a bad Nuggets defense for the fourth quarter. I watched the game again this morning. The, the Heat were making some just, just amazing shot making. It was just amazing shot making. It wasn't difficult shots, but it was just amazing shot making. And it is hard to beat a team that just makes every single shot. <laughs> I don't know what to tell people, um, but the Nuggets losing it on that one three-minute stretch from the start of the fourth quarter to when, when Jokic came back in, and at one point the Nuggets were down by 11 with, I think, four minutes left. I, I what, what can you do? You know, sometimes it's 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 poor rotation. It's sometimes it's it's there's a bunch of different factors into it. And you know, and Malone uh, wasn't I would what I would call out coached in this game. He just you know Spolster is just great, and they really schemed out a great approach because the start of the game, you were th- I don't think the addition of Kevin Love made a difference at all. Love is as you could tell in the game is a shell of his former self. Uh, it was largely due to Max Struess making shots. It was like it was in the fourth quarter. It's just it's it is a a a stretch of basketball that you kind of just tip your hat to this Max Struess of the world and say okay you did a good job. Having Kevin Love in there and having playing heavy stretches of Tyler Zeller is not working. The way that I don't. There's one thing where I'll say about what I say about Spolstra is that they don't have a lot of options, and I don't know if playing Tyler Zeller as much as he is is going to. I mean, Jokic was just eating him up, and it was becoming laughable by the time you get to the third quarter where Jokic was just tearing, tearing Tyler Zeller up. The ultimate goal, if you think, with this, the uh, Heat is to make Jokic not necessarily a scorer or whatever, a one-dimensional. They're trying to wear him out. This is what their entire goal is. People kind of miss this. The goal isn't to, because Jokic is so great, you can't, one-dimensional Jokic isn't the, a quote-unquote thing. Jokic is so good that, that it's not a one-track thing. They just want him to be worn down. Murray taking that shot, uh, three-point shot, to, to, to close the game, I, I probably would have wanted it to go to Jokic on a three, but you don't think that, you know, you, 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 were, you were okay with, uh, with Jamal Murray shooting that. You were okay with it. You'll take it. He is not a bad option at all. It wasn't a terrible shot, and it didn't go in, and the Nuggets lost by three. It, it is okay. Um so in in at the end of the game and into the uh, post game presser, there was an interesting vibe, and I I really went intently watched the uh, uh, the the post game pressers that were out there, and and very specifically Jeff Green and um, Michael Malone. Jeff Green has respect in the locker room, and he was even though he was calling out quote unquote, the effort, he was really measured about it. And it's interesting. He just was surprised at the, their 
quote unquote lack of effort. And um, I do really think that is focused on two people. It's KTP and MPJ, the, the, the initials, the two initials in the, uh, the uh, starting lineup. They, they really, specifically, I will say Mike had probably his worst game of the playoffs. This was 100% Mike's worst game of the playoffs. There were things that he was missing that I was very disappointed in. It was very lax performance by him. And KCP, for the second game in a row, is was just a non-factor. And you can't have basically what turned out to be two-fifths uh, two of your starting lineup be basically nothing. And that's exactly what happened is that both KCP and MPJ were, were nothing, you know, MPJ was rebounding, but you know, and, and it was something that you can't survive as a team. You just, you can't have two fifths of your starting lineup be a nothing. And it's not as if they were being guarded extremely hard. It's just, they were nothing. And then on the defensive end, both were kind of lazy. And that, that is something that I can 100% be really frustrated with as if I was coaching a team, it would be like, what is going on? You guys aren't like this. You know, I think that part uh, came across in that game and you could tell, and I'm, I'm focusing on Jeff Green's because in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about Michael Malone's section, which I was less impressed with, um, but uh, and Jeff Green was like, we, this is the finals. You don't need to be motivated. You know, once again, MPJ sometimes needs this. As big a fan as I am with MT MPJ, he needs his peers calling him out like that. And it seems like that affects him more than anything Malone will say. I don't necessarily think that the relationship uh, between Michael Malone and MPJ is something that is going to be um, he's that, that, that Malone is going to be able to call him out like that, but you could tell that MPJ really respects his peers. So I think what Jeff Green was saying post game and for that matter with KCP, uh, both of those guys will hear that and respond to it. And I think that that is, that's a good thing because Jeff, Jeff Green has, has respect in the locker room. There's a reason he's still there, even though he, you know, he, this was by far his best game in two months this was this was this was jeff green's best game of the season uh in this game so you can tell that 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 was definitely part of a a a, a an attempt by jeff green to snap mpj and a kcp out of it but mostly mpj um and i you you would think that with three days benefit or two days, I should say, in between, that they are going to have the, the ability to correct what they were doing and adapt and co get into Miami and approach the game in a completely different way. Uh, and I think that is, will, be, will benefit them. All right, before I get to the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on... They... They're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, they um, have a location in Fort Collins. They got one in Denver, and they got one in Sonoma County, California. Uh, but really, this is a local Colorado company with uh, with wines that they produce in Sonoma County with that are their own. Their Pinot's really good, and their their uh, cabs. Every varietal of their cab has been really, really good. Um, but one of the things I've been emphasizing when I've been talking about Blanchard is that it's great vibe. You know, it's just it, it, particularly it's because Colorado summers when there's no smoke is so good. 
they're so, especially in the afternoon, it's like one of my favorite things uh, whenever I have time, which isn't frequently, but whenever I can make it down there in the afternoon, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a great vibe that the dairy block is a great location. Um, and there's restaurants all around you. If you're, you're pre-gaming it for a, a restaurant uh, trip, you can do that. If you can go there after you have a meal and just, uh, have fun with friends. And it's a really good vibe, great atmosphere. Uh, they got reds, they got whites, they got Rieslings, they got, they got blends, they've got, they got, uh, rosés, they got everything you need in your favorite local Colorado wine bar. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at BFW. WColorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you. Let me tell you something about Michael Malone. And I think I may have said this on the podcast. He is a smart and insightful coach. <clears throat> in most situations, post game, he is not. Um, and, and, and post game is a manifest, whether they win or they lose post game is not a manifestation of the best of Michael Malone. The best of Michael Malone comes at practices, comes before games and, and less high emotion situations. Um, I have said over and over that Michael Malone has, has, if you've been listening to CSG for the last eight years, um, since he's been coach and, and CSG predates him by four years. Um, what you see with Michael Malone is a guy who, the best story I ever tell about this is like a great example of Michael Malone saying something he wouldn't otherwise say, uh, was like, it was in his first or second, I think it was his second year. It was 2016, 17, Jameer Nelson was here. Um, and he went off on, on, after the game, they lost to the Kings again. They went off on how the veterans let him down. And, of course, that got back to the locker room. And I've never seen players both more angry or perplexed in my life. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, this is not going to be a very good scene for him when he gets that through here. Um, it's that sort of thing. Would, would Michael Malone at practice say that? No, he wouldn't. This is the first incidence in the playoffs. His post-game reaction to the loss in the finals was the first time we have seen Hothead Malone come back. That is my least favorite version of him. Hothead Malone is is not someone who thinks incredibly rationally. He doesn't do himself any favors. And he's been able, by and large, particularly because of Jokic, been able to kind of coast through that. Um, but you could tell that was a moment where the pressure of the situation, particularly of the finals, got to Malone. And him going off about how about how players didn't give him effort, and he was obviously directed at MPJ. There's only one person he ever directs these things at. It's MP, MPJ. in the Because uh, it was obviously bugging him. And look, I'm contrasting this with Jeff Green, who was just as as uh, pointed, but not as personal. And this is this is something that I I just is my least favorite part of Michael Malone. There is almost a they let me down. 
how could they do this to me element to, to, to the way he talks about these things when they have a loss, he can't get over it. He thinks about it. It's, it's not, and it's not even that it's just, it's because it's too emotional to him. The, the concept of it. And it's not necessarily a loss. He's like that after wins. There's a, that he gets, I've told this over and over, he gets tunnel vision and the tunnel vision dissipates when he's less emotional. And he becomes a much better and more thoughtful coach. And this has been true of him throughout his entire tenure, tenure of going back to Sacramento. This is, this is what he is. He is a emotional coach who struggles with letting things go after a game. And I, I highly suggest everyone uh, uh, who is listening to this, go listen to what Jeff Green said, which was basically the same thing as what Malone said. And contrast that with the way Michael Malone was saying things and the obsessiveness that he kept coming back. What was bugging me about his postgame presser was how he kept coming back to it, how he kept coming back to the effort, how he kept coming back to, I can't believe this happened, how he, he just over and over and over, he couldn't let it go. And... People are going to listen to this right now, and I, I know the reactions to these things because people, I think, I have a hard on of hate for Michael Malone. So this is this is I I <laughs> my my uh, I'm used to this. I'm used to getting reactions like this, so it's, it doesn't phase me. What I'm telling you is that was the worst part of Michael Malone, and it always manifests itself really publicly, and. Yes, it manifests itself during games. Why didn't Malone call a timeout at the end? They had one. This is a man who overuses timeouts to calm himself down. Why didn't they use it then? I just asking. There are things you can criticize. There are things that you can point out. Michael Malone, as someone Matt Moore has has a running thing about Michael Malone with me specifically. And I'll, I'll, I've said this and I've been consistent with it 100% in the entire time I have been covering Michael Malone. He is the most unique coach I have, co I, I, I have covered because he is the only one who can't let it go. And the worst part about Michael Malone is that when he gets emotional like that, he becomes an awful coach. And it's that part of him that will be his undoing whenever his undoing comes. And the other good parts of Michael Malone need to be more emphasized by Michael Malone. His culture setting, his ability to relate to certain players, his, his dogged determination, and all of this stuff are really good things you need in a coach. And he undermines it. When, by the way, fans love these uh, these press conferences where he calls people out and he uh, is gets really emotional because they're feeling the same thing, right? Coaches can't do that. Like, just 100% people. Coaches cannot do that. There is a huge difference between what Jeff Green was talking about after the after the press conference about effort, and I can't believe I can't believe we would need this to happen. But it was said with calm authority. Michael Malone was angry. Michael Malone was emotional and Michael Malone couldn't let it go. 
Eric Spolstra, in his post-game press conference, was talking about, oh, we got a question from Ramona Shelburne about uh, Nikola Jokic and making him one-dimensional. And you could tell that he was like, first of all, that kind of question uh, undermines, goes a long way to giving teams bulletin board material. And it, it implies that what you are doing is greater than what a superstar is doing. And Spolster was like, no, no, this is, this is, he is a great player. This is not, but there was said with such authority. Now I don't like the way he, I mean, I have my issues with Ramona Shelburne, but, but he's, he didn't need to undermine her as much as he did. I, that was not comfortable to me, but it was said in a moment of like, I can't believe we're going through this, but it was, it wasn't about his own team. And then you notice in the in the in the press in the press conference in the, the other game, it it wasn't about him. He didn't make it about them, the team letting him down. It was just like this is we need to figure that figure this out. And he said it with authority. And you see Michael Malone, who just kept repeating the same thing for his entire press conference. The obsessive, how could they? not play with effort. Why did they do this to me? Element of this is, is not going to be good for him. I have tried and said this over and over. You can't do this. And, and what's going to be happening and what's going to be really testing for Malone going forward is his ability to both not overreact to game, game two and B react enough to where he can adjust. This is his biggest test because it's on a bigger stage. Not that the Heat are a better team. They're not. The handicap with this thing is not overreacting, obviously. But at the same time, understanding that you have a titan of a coach on the other end who is going to do everything in his power to outthink you, out-approach you with this, and he's got ultimate buy-in from his team. This Nuggets team is more talented. They are better, demonstrably better. Um... They can casually go on a 20 to 5 run like they did in uh, game two with their bench unit. They, this Nuggets, Nuggets team is 100% better than the Heat. But on the other side, you've got a culture and a buy in that is amazing. And a coach who has proven himself over 16 years of being able to just get the best out of whatever team he has in front of him. And it's in its Malone's test is to balance the need to to adjust because every every series requires adjustments, but not do it in an overreacting way. My fear is that this will inevitably end up with Michael Porter Jr. going to the bench and forever destroying his relationship with MPJ. That's my fear. I don't think it needs to be that way. I think this can be salvaged. I because he'll never bench. He Malone will never bench KCP. That that, that will just never happen. Uh, but my, I think the lesson here for specifically for Michael Malone is looking at Eric Spolstra and what they did, and all they did was put Kevin Love in the. Uh, literally, that's all that he did was they put Kevin Love in the starting lineup. <laughs> Now they're waiting for Tyler Hero to come back as their coup de gras. I don't think that's the the, the the thing the Nuggets need to be worried about, to be quite honest with you. Um, but this is a this is just part of the stew. 
And Malone has to balance those two things. I think he can, but I think more importantly, Nikola Jokic can. Nikola Jokic understands what the Nuggets need to do. Jeff Green understands what the Nuggets need to do. The entire team understands what the Nuggets need to do. And that is probably more important. And I think this uh, game three is going to be a test to see what side wins out, you know. And I think if the Nuggets just understand they're the better team, they will win. I am not worried about them losing game two. Uh, other people are. I just, it, it doesn't phase me. They lost by three. They lost by three and it took a Herculean effort from the Heat to beat them. Bigger picture. Look at the grand scheme of things. And then you'll come away thinking, the Nuggets got this, and they'll be okay. And I hope Denver coach Michael Malone understands that as well. I mean, I I, I think he does, and, and this is what I'll tell fans. pay Don't pay attention to what he says post-game. Pay attention to what Michael Malone says after practice. Tell, pay attention to what he says pre-game. Those are the times where Michael Malone shines and he is the best coach version of himself. Ignore the post-game pressers. Just, just don't take anything he says there to heart. He's too emotional. Put that aside and concentrate on what he does best, which is pre-game, post-practice, insightful, good stuff. Ignore the emotional post-game stuff and you'll be better off. And... As far as the Nuggets go, they got Nikola Jokic, guys. So I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, thank you all for joining me in the latest Morecast. I'll be back. Uh, I probably will do a podcast on, uh, what is it? Uh, I'll probably do one tomorrow, actually, now that I think about it. I'll probably do a podcast on Tuesday. Um, I also got new Gen X show episodes dropping, too. So if you are subscribed to that, be on the lookout for that. So anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'll be back with another episode soon. Goodbye.